When you first get on what we call the line, when you start working, first off with Delta, at least we had two months of intensive training, ridiculously rigorous, very long days. They throw so much information at you. Out of all of the aircrafts and like, I don't know, 37 different types of doors the planes have, we had to know every part of every door. 37 doors on the... Um Plane? Well, because the, we have so many types, types of, planes. of planes. Oh, I was like, I didn't know they had that many doors on a plane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was shook. Like, I thought there was like maybe two. It's like 37. Dante needs more caffeine. Welcome to The Gaily Dose, the weekly podcast made for and by gay men and their allies. We're a podcast with a mission, elevated conversation with the hopes of building a deeper sense of community in the gay world. Child, it's time to come take your Gaily Dose. Welcome to The Gaily Dose. This is Helmut Lucero Domogolski. I'm here today with a dose of flight attendant. And we have our <laughs> guest today, Mr. AJ. Yay. Ba- Baker and flight attendant, technically. Yes. Uh, I also have my friends with us. Hey, what's going on? It's Bennett Schneider. It is Dante Adonis Rhodes. And don't forget to check us out on social media at The Gaily Dose Pod, thegailydose.com, and anywhere you listen to podcasts, search The Gaily Dose and give us five stars. Also, just a disclaimer, I don't know why I sound really raspy, so like... I like it. It's sexy. I don't. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I love a good rasp. (laughs) The Miley Cyrus. If this is turning you on, this is temporary. Today, um, AJ is joining us to talk a little bit about um, one of our other quote-unquote stereotype gay occupations, which is flight attendant. So we're, we're glad that you could join us, and we're hopeful to get a little bit of a, a world, a little bit of a view into your world. Yeah, thank you. Just all There's... the prodding questions. Oh my god. Alright, so talking about prodding questions, one of our favorite things to prod people about here at the Gilly Dose is their coming out story. So tell us how AJ became, not became gay child, but how did you tell the world you were gay? It was definitely a process over, I'd say a year maybe, because initially I was so in denial about it because I grew up in a small town, religious, and my high school, everybody was straight that I, that I knew of, of course, they were too afraid to say anything about it. So I started coming out to my friends because I was more comfortable doing that and I was in band. So these are people I spent all day, every day with at rehearsals, marching band practice, doing shows. So I knew they wouldn't really judge because there's all kinds of weird people in band. I mean, right. I mean, band it's, always it's band hard. in theater, it's all the hard, gays. Yeah, it's hard to feel like a weirdo if you're in marching band yeah. because you're kind of all weirdos. And it's great. <laughs> it's great. It's one of the reasons I loved it. So, yeah. I, I mean, I remember the first time I started telling people anything I said I was by. Because right. it sounded better to me. Yeah, yes, um, bisexual. It's a good, a good transition. Were you sometimes. Uh, where? Where were you? What, where were you born? Or where um, was the city I was you're born in up Tampa. In? Okay, which is not a tough place for yeah, a gay. Right. But no, we moved up to coincidentally enough, Cumming, Georgia. Oh, oh geez, uh, I lived in Cumming. Yes, I know this. Oh, yeah, for both of scary. You. It is my scary. So this yeah. is so you were you started your coming out in high school or you came out completely? in high school? I started it. Okay. Yes. Um, I was at a football game. It was halftime. We had just done our show. And oh, you, we try, were... you were trying to take the, take the show. <laughs> this the spotlight off the, like, the football players. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we were all getting our food, and I had my group of close friends with me, and they. I told them first, and I was like, wow, 
I want to go tell everybody else now because <laughs> this feels really cool. Yes. Right. So we walked around and I just started telling everybody and I would randomly go up to them and be like, hey, I'm by. Wait, they're like all on the oh. same night. Like you're just cascading around hey, the by. arena. Hey, like, for the most hey, part. Yeah. <laughs> for the most part, but, yeah. I, and and what, what time is what, I'm sorry. Like is this 2000s? Is this 1990? Like what? 1990? No, no 1990s. high school 20 years ago. <laughs> I know, he's so young. Yeah. I have a lot of great procedures. Um, no, it was I'm a child. It was 2012. 2012. Okay. Wow. Okay. Uh, 2012. I'm only 26. So then, right. like, so you started I'm talking to the people at the game. You're telling everyone you're bisexual. Yeah. Yep. But um, pretty much how that went. Like, like friends, strangers, family members. Mostly just people I knew. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't just going up to like the mascot. <laughs> no, like, I'm hey, bi. I'm bi. I mean, a cute guy. You're like, hey, I'm bi. Go into yeah. the stands and just be like, hey, bye, bye, <laughs> bye, bye. So then, like, so how did that transition to like gay and then like telling family? Right. Um, Beyond oh, the bye. Goodness. <laughs> Being on the bye. Um, well, the first family member I talked about it with was, I have three sisters. The youngest of the three is the one I'm closest with. I'm the youngest and the only boy. So I'm like, it's no wonder I turned out like this. Literally. Right. Um, yeah. No, she was the first person I talked about it with only because I got home. My dad was out of town and I was staying at his house. And I had hickeys all over my neck. Oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> you had no choice. Yeah. That and was from the, the football game or just... No, no. This was this a, was this was a year later. <laughs> a, a year later. A year later. And this yeah. is clearly not from a woman. No, it was okay. not. Okay. Well, how would it be clearly from anybody? You can't have a hickey. It's clearly a man. That's a man hickey. hickey. <laughs> no, because he wouldn't have been. He wouldn't have felt any kind of way about it. If it had been a girl, it would probably have been just like, no, hey. Yeah, I wouldn't have cared. Yeah, yeah. Um so, yeah, a year later, I was in college, and that's when I felt, like, free and able to explore my sexuality and, like, go have a hookup or something because I was too scared to do it in high school. Um, I never even kissed a guy in high school. It was college before any of that happened. Yeah, so. really? Wow. Yeah, same with me. Yeah, because, I mean, in college, you're on your own, so you can say, at least you're mm-hmm. not at home with your parents, so they're not seeing what you're doing, you're not getting home late at night, and they're yeah. not asking where you are, where yeah. you've been, what you've been, who you've been doing, like... <laughs> who you've been doing. So, been yeah, doing. my sister sees them, and at first she's like, what's her name? And I'm like, oh... George. <laughs> I'm like, this could be a moment right now. Yeah. And I just kind of silently stared at her, and I'm like... And she's like, it's okay, AJ, I've known. And I'm like, what do you mean you've known? <laughs> You're making me go through this and you've known? Okay, how nice of you. And then I was like, yeah, I'm bi. I still said oh, I was you were still bi. Are you I still, still, still said I was bi. <laughs> so then, so we tell the sister. So which, yes, and that same year, I got the courage to talk to my mom about it. It was surprising. About your bisexuality? Or... Yes, that's okay. what I told her. Mm. Um, I don't know why. I just kind of randomly started dancing around the topic and bringing it up and then she asked if i had ever done anything with a guy and i'm like yeah i'm bi (laughs) here comes bi again (laughs) she was in her full bisexual fantasy for years right yeah so she was just like really and i'm like yeah and that was pretty much that. It wasn't that was even it? it wasn't even really a conversation the next day she started asking questions but I still to this day cannot believe how gentle and calm she was about it. She was surprised somehow, but she was like shook. She said she had talked to a couple of her friends about it, and they were like, "Oh, we could tell." Yes. So when did yeah. you become gay? Because it seems like the story ends with telling everyone you're bisexual. Did you Short, ever tell short, you shortly were gay? after? Yeah, I mean, um, my dad 
honestly, to this day, I've never said the words I'm gay to my dad. He just, really? he just knows. Okay. Because, um, my uncle on his side is gay and um, ugh, I learned a lot about his story that I had no idea about. Like from uh, the uncle himself or like? Yes, okay. yes, yes. The so, uncle's story, not your dad's Yeah, story. the uncle's story. Um, because he grew up in Tampa with my dad's side and he was telling me how it was just so unacceptable at the time and he got married to a woman like and the woman knew the whole time like he went so far wow. that he got married to a woman and they just lived their separate lives together oh like so that she was full of he could, so that he could feel safe i guess yeah um, oh that's actually beautiful that's really nice it yeah. is but what even blew my mind even more is the night I had the talk with my uncle about all this stuff, he told me the day of his wedding, my grandfather went up to him, put his hand on his shoulder, and said, just do what you need to do. As oh. if he knew without having to talk about it. And he yeah. told me, I don't think you need to have a conversation with your dad, because he already knows, and he doesn't necessarily want to hear it. But he's never going to tell you that, and he's never going to change how he treats you because mm -hmm. of that. And that's really all I needed to hear. Right. Mm -hmm. So my mom has talked about it with him directly and has told me, and I'm like, I'm not mad about it. Like, you can say whatever you want to him. That kind of makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah. The fact that you can say the term gay to him and refer to me, and he's not disgusted by it, I guess. I kind of have the same relationship with my dad. I don't think I've actually said that I'm gay, but my mom, my, my family members have told him. Mm -hmm. But he actually does ask, like, who I'm dating. So that's nice. Yeah. Like, he tries to take a little bit of interest in it. I don't really have a close relationship with my dad, I would say, on the terms of being emotional with him. Yeah. My mom, I can say anything I want to, and it's great. That is the same exact way with my parents. Yeah. My mom and I have no filters. It doesn't matter what it is. As far personal as you can go, I love it. I can talk to her about anything and feel fine, and she does not judge, and she'll even come back and say stuff I probably didn't want to hear. But I'm like, that's great. We can talk about this. That is such a weird similarity. But the thing that makes my situation more weird is, like, my parents are still married. So, like, not, right. I go over the house. Yeah. like, goes upstairs. I'm like, it's like, so yeah, weird. There's, like, a weird wall. And then she's like, oh, he was asking about you. And I'm like, well, okay. Like, why didn't he cut me? Why didn't he just me? ask me? Mm -hmm. like, cut out the middle woman. Yeah, she's like, oh, we were talking about you again today. I was like, yeah. he has my phone number. Right. It's, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I think there's an emotional maturity that often women carry in households. I yes. think it's a common thing thread um, and so they often have to deal with the realities a little bit more I'm intrigued and I think it's interesting that you use by as your first you know initial um, and then they guess I they think a lot of, of people do they that. sort of learned later I, I think and I, I, and I think that I adds I think I that adds I remember who did yeah, I think that also adds to the fact that a lot of people don't think bi exists because a lot of gay men use it as kind of a bridge to make to ease the family into it. You know I, what I almost mean? said it. My mom, when she um, caught me philandering on the internet. Um, oh yes, she was. She was like questioning. I was like, I don't know. Maybe I was like, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm bi. bi. <laughs> yeah. oh, my, my dad has found things on my computer before. Oh uh, well, we like, came up with the technology. I still was. We've all been. You guys, you guys are all maybe I'm bi, probably right. gay. We've all we've all been there, done that. <laughs> it was so awesome. So just fast. Fast forwarding to your career, why did you get into being a flight attendant? And then also, you know, it tends to be a gay stereotype. That's why we're talking about it today. Is that why do you think that might be? And then do you like or don't like that association? All right, come on, run on sentence. You gave her a long question. <laughs> we'll help you out. We'll give you cliff notes along the way with that question. Well, when I applied to the job, 
I had not had my heart set on it at all, to be honest. I mean, there are people who apply year after year because they want to do it so bad. And at the time, I just needed a job. I was out of college and I got an engineering degree and I knew I really didn't like it and wasn't going to pursue it. So after all these other jobs, which I couldn't stand and hardly paid anything, I was laying in bed and just scrolling through, I can't remember what job site it was, but I saw that Delta was hiring for flight attendants and I had really never given it any thought before in my life. I saw it and I'm like, why not? So I clicked apply and then fast forward and I ended up getting the job. How long have you been a flight attendant? I just hit, it's only been two years. I remember um, when you became I a flight attendant. just hit two years in March. Uh, and, that was my anniversary. And what do you think of it? Um, I think a lot of things about it. <laughs> you kind of, it's interesting, right? You had like a, one year of like your first year normal and well, then COVID. So it's been a unique combo there. Yeah, that's true. when you first get on what we call the line when you start working, first off with Delta, at least we had two months of intensive training before we went into flying. And the two months of training was ridiculously rigorous, very long days. They throw so much information at you that you never really had considered before that you have to know because you're the safety person on this flight. So out of all of the aircrafts and like, I don't know, 37 different types of doors the planes have, we had to know every part of every 37 door. doors on the um, plane? Well, because the, we have so many types, types of, planes. of planes. Oh, I was like, I didn't know they had that many doors on a plane. <laughs> Goodness. I was shook. I was like, I thought there was like maybe two. It's like 37. Dante needs more caffeine or something. Right? She's usually quick. Keep sipping. I was really shook for a second there. Oh, God. Yeah, every aircraft door is different. Like on yeah. every plane, the doors are different. That's, so that's rude. when you're thinking about like emergency procedures and stuff, you got to know every part of the door to know how it works, like how to open it in an emergency, make sure the slide inflates and everything. So training is just a lot of that and learning every plane. There's so many of them. They all have variations. So you have to know the variation of every plane. It's crazy. Question. And so say you have a crash landing, you're over the ocean and y'all do have to land. And then the slide comes out after we're all in the ocean with flotation devices. What's next? Um, we have to get a boat waiting. We, we have rafts on board oh, okay because yeah. i was like so we're just in the ocean floating around in this cold well there's water. A, there's like an sos and then the uh, yeah, i would think so, a boat would come get you not so, that quick to be, we're in the middle of the atlantic no so <laughs> one a couple of the emergency things that the planes, people have these questions okay <laughs> that the planes are equipped with um if you are flying over water is they have rafts that can hold people for longer periods of time because okay. the, the life vest in the seats only lasts a certain amount of time. What? That's what I was thinking. Um, really? Yeah. Yes. There's, so, a, there's a duration that it you go under? Yes, and part of training actually was um, us jumping out of the plane door into a pool. Oh, and, I said got a ticket to the Atlantic. <laughs> and deploying the larger raft that can fit a crazy amount of people. Yeah, I believe it's that. obviously not comfortable, but in a life-saving situation, you're not going to think about that. So part of that was like practicing pulling people into the raft, and we all had our vests on. It was really cool. And I'm like, I hope I never have to do this again. Right. Oh, I God, feel safe please. with you. I hope you all yeah. next Training time. was 90% stuff you'll probably, hopefully, never, never have to do. You don't want to do. But you yeah. absolutely have to know how to. Yeah. So yeah, and then we have this device that if it's switched to armed, it um, transmits your location okay. on a map. So uh, control tower, if something happens and they get this signal, they know a plane has gone down 
and this is where we they gotta go. start trying to find them. We are near the Bermuda Triangle, girl. Come get us. Before we disappear forever. <laughs> near or in. So, so that after you do their training, what was like getting on a plane like for those first few months before It was COVID? so exciting. Yeah. Outfront Theater Company is Atlanta's LGBTQIA plus theater company, located in the heart of West Midtown. Since October 2020, we have been producing shows in our theater and streaming them online. Next up, we'll be streaming Robert Casey's groundbreaking play, Jerker. Over the course of 20 phone sex conversations, two men living in San Francisco in the 1980s connect in explosive and emotional ways whilst a newly discovered virus ravishes their community. Tickets for all streaming productions are available by visiting OutfrontTheater.com. Outfront Theater Company exists to tell stories of the LGBTQIA community and as a nonprofit organization needs your help to continue telling those stories. All donations made to Outfront are fully tax deductible and can be made at OutfrontTheater.com anytime. Insightful, innovative, inclusive. Outfront Theater Company. What was like getting on a plane like for those first few months before COVID? It was COVID? so exciting. Yeah? Oh my gosh. Yeah, the first year was a lot to deal with because in flight attendant world, everything is seniority based. So a lot of people think it's really, really glamorous even from the start because they're like, oh, you're going to get to take these mm -hmm. cool trips and fly all this place. That's not the case because you're given a schedule that has all these trips on it. They're one to three day trips long that have X amount of flights per day. Your layovers in whatever city every night. And a Wichita. lot of them, yeah, for real. Iowa. Yeah. And when Ohio. you're when you're brand yeah. new and you can't hold anything on your schedule because you don't have seniority for it. <laughs> It's still exciting because, you know, you train so long for so hard and you're finally working, you're making money, you're getting to do this job that you've looked forward to for so long. And it kind of got me through the trips that weren't so great. And what I was your worked... least favorite place to do your overnight layover. Hmm. West Palm Beach, Florida. Really? really? I think hmm. that'd be fun. Notice how that took no time. You didn't go to Mar-a-Lago? <laughs> no comments. And why is that, why is no that the worst? Because, so usually anytime a destination is on my least favorite list, it's because of the passengers on the way there. Oh. Mm. You, the Mar-a-Lago people. It's so interesting seeing... Boca Raton. The, <laughs> it's so interesting seeing the lifestyles of people from different cities. Like, even in the U.S., how different people are from different places, it's crazy because people act so different depending on where they come from. Yeah. And West Palm Beach is a lot of really grumpy old you know, people. Well, you know they also call them Boca Bitches. Mm. And that's exactly yeah. what they are. They <laughs> are. The no, seriously. I, I know somebody, uh, my company has a, uh, a, a office in Deerfield Beach. And they were like, oh, yeah, have you been to Boca yet? All those Boca Bitches. <laughs> well, let me not go over there. I'll stay in Miami, okay? Oh, Miami is not much better. So after, like, would you say? Say, well, going into your second year, then that's COVID. So what was that like? Yeah, yes. how does that work? Um, well, what is nice about my job is that there is schedule flexibility. So even in my first year, when things were busy and my, the trips I was given weren't great, I learned how to work the system and move stuff around because luckily we are able to do that um, on our schedules. We can pick up and post stuff to drop if somebody wants to take it off your hands. Okay. Um, in my case, I kind of moved stuff around and crammed more trips in there. <laughs> so I worked my butt off my first year. I made a lot of great money, but I kind of had to. Is it based on hourly? Yes, okay. it is hourly. We have our flight pay, which is the main rate we're given, which is only while we're on a working flight. 
That's not the whole day. Right. Once you get off the, the So, the yeah, plane. if we land somewhere else and we're waiting for another flight, we're not paid for that time. Which is crazy. With that rate. We have time away from base pay. So I'm based in Atlanta. So anytime I'm not in Atlanta, regardless if I'm in the air or Sleep on the ground it. somewhere, I'm getting that rate at least. Oh, great. Yeah, taking a nap again. Pay. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's low. It's a pay. very low rate. Yeah. But it's still it's a rate but nonetheless. Over the, yeah. Over the course of the month, added up, it adds a nice chunk to your paycheck. So that's kind of our per diem when it comes to eating while we're out of town. It doesn't cover that. So I always bring my own food. But when COVID started, I hardly worked at all. Kind of by choice. Um, because the schedule values dropped, obviously, because we were canceling everything. and. Mm-hmm. Um, when COVID was first starting last year, I was able to get rid of most of my trips because people were desperate for hours and right. they still needed to make money. And that's when the stimulus first got announced. And mm-hmm. I realized, well, I would be making decent money if I didn't work. So Delta allowed us to take voluntary leaves of absence. They never furloughed anybody, thank goodness. But um, thousands of our flight attendants took voluntary leaves so that they could just be out of work and collect unemployment. And for me, I was pretty much making the same amount of money because the stimulus was great. Yeah. I was not upset about it. I had my little three um, months with Miss Stimulus. I know, honey. She it, was cute. It was very nice. Because um, I wasn't spending any money either. It was cute. I was really sitting at home. You couldn't spend money. Yeah, I was just... There was nowhere to spend it. it was, I bought she wine. <laughs> I bought a lot of wine. <laughs> yeah. So I, for the better part of last year, I think I only worked about four months collectively last year. Wow. Um, because in March I got COVID myself, mm-hmm. so I was out the second half of the month on quarantine. In April, and that's I, when it was scary to have it. Yeah, too. that was like first. That's Ooh, when baby. we went into lockdown. Yeah, and I couldn't even get tested because I didn't have a fever or a cough. And since the tests were so limited at the time, I didn't have those. Yeah. They wouldn't the test. The world right. was a crazy place then. I'm like, honey, I can't smell scary. or taste. You're not going to test. <laughs> they said no because you're not hot. Honey, they're going to say you're cold. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so going back to the question, so, the, so you told us a little bit about how'd you get into the job. What about your thoughts on why is it a stereotypically gay job? I honestly couldn't tell you. I have no idea. Just like seeing the world, seeing I, I being in different locations. Most guys I meet, I've met plenty of straight flight attendants too, but plenty or majority. Plenty, not okay. majority. I wouldn't say that. Um, a lot of them, on the male side, are gay. And, and I guess it's such a, I guess, feminine job. A lot of people would see it as like a stewardess, hot lady walking down the aisle with the beverage cart and the dress. Like, you want a soda? Mm. <laughs> Not a Dr. Pepper. You want a soda? Yeah, we don't have Dr. Pepper. And to this day, I noticed I was surrounded by so many gay guys. And I guess because I had never really looked into the job before, I had never paid attention and realized how many gays had this job yeah and after i got this job i didn't realize how many gays in atlanta had this right. job. yeah they do that i now know very well because i have this job and i was immediately part of the group i'm like you work for delta you're with us now i'm like that's cool so, i know a few delta atlanta gays. so you have yes. like a, a sisterhood Same. yeah <laughs> so do you really think nice. do you think it helps um do you do you think that flight attendants are more promiscuous and they are able to <laughs> and they are able to be like to go to other cities and explore that yeah, I would say so. Because um, personally speaking, it crosses my mind all the time. Yeah. And when it crosses your mind, does it turn into an action? Like if it's like it depends. Like if you see a hot guy on the plane, <laughs> Is that? It's, it's dangerous <laughs> territory. 
because you don't want to get fired. Right. But if you think he's gay and he's super attractive, you're like, how do I do this? So Professionally. Without being blatant about it yeah. and other people noticing, I'm yeah. not going to be like, hey, let's go to the bathroom. Um, I <laughs> yes, Mount High I have never and will never. I want my job. It's going to stay that well, way. I w- you could like push the cart a little too hard on accident and you fall. I'm like, oh. Arch your back when you're getting up. That would get some Oh my god! I've, I've been on so many flights, a countless amount of flights, and for sure I've had the several flight attendants that have just made it known, right? They, they're friendly, oh, yeah. and they kind of just make it known, yeah. like, hey, if you want to, you could probably hit on me and at least get my number, mm-hmm. right? I'll be in and this that's, other. That's what I've noticed too. Yeah. Is usually there are signs that either are or are not spoken signs. Um, that the passenger and the flight attendant may exchange. Like for me, it's eye contact. Like if I make a little more eye contact with somebody and I know they're like actually looking at me and not the back of somebody's head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Cause yeah. that has happened before. <laughs> I've been at the front of the plane. I thought some guy was looking dead at me. And you're like, mm, eating it. I, I slowly walk by him and I notice he's still looking that way. And I'm like, Oh my god, it's somebody's head. Like there's a screen there and he like, what if I keep walking up and down the so, It's kind of it's kind of funny though, Bennett. You went straight to to promiscuity on a as an air a flight attendant. I tend to think gays would that's kind of like a nice byproduct. I, I tend to think the flexibility in the hours, the fact that you really could just at a pin, you know, drop Head but why out is that a gay a thing? Flight. But you don't think straight people would want that? No, I'm thinking the ability to not have family and just be able to drop, you know, just head out at any time, and maybe some of the sense of adventure. I don't know. I, I well, I'm, I'm just trying here. to. I'm just trying to figure out why specifically gay men, right? So straight men can be promiscuous, though. Well, yeah. that's true. Don't stigmatize us, this thing. I'm just, like I said. I'm like you said. I'm just trying to figure it. I'm just yeah. trying to figure it out. Throwing things yeah. out. I definitely think anyone who travels. So whether it's the flight attendant. Yeah. Whether it's the passengers, so the many people you know yeah. that are in gay business that travel a lot, whether it's the pilots, anyone who travels a lot has the upper salesman. Mm-hmm. They have the opportunity to be to be promiscuous. But um, I've just I've heard I've heard way too many stories from gay flight attendants to not ask that question. What's your least favorite part about your job, child? Um, I would have to say so. As flexible as the schedule is, there are also those moments where you have a trip scheduled on a day that you really need off, whether Mm -hmm. it be a holiday or someone's birthday, a wedding for God's sake. And you can't drop the trip or you can't swap off of it because nobody will take it. Or the system is like, we won't let you swap off this day because we're understaffed. So we're not going to let you move your trip. It's how it works. And it really sucks because you're like, I want to be there so badly, and I cannot. Like, I would be so mad if I paid for somebody to come to my wedding and they yeah. said they had to fly. And calling out fighting. sick gets you in trouble a yeah. lot. So, But is that something you have, like, uh, I'm assuming for a wedding like that or something, you at least can try to ask for it ahead of time? You can. So, like, yeah. you could try and plot paid personal days on your schedule for the coming month when they're putting it all together mm-hmm. before they give it to you. You can, like, request the days off. Depending on the month, you don't always get it. Like It's simply a request. Yeah, especially on holidays. Someone like me who doesn't have seniority, if I'm trying to put days off on Thanksgiving, I'm not going to get it. Got it. Somebody who was hired in 85 will get it. For How sure. How are you still flying? Oh, oh yeah. honey, we have flight attendants in their 80s. Oh, I don't. Yeah. No, yeah. it's I would great. not feel so safe if the our plane most, had to land in the Our most senior attendant 
um, retired with 63 years on the line. That's uh -uh. awesome. If a plane lands in the middle of the Atlantic, that's... an 81 year old woman is not going to be deploying a no, slide. She's what... not going to know how to work these Well, there's always doors. other people to do it. Well, what's. She's going to forget about those 35 doors quickly. <laughs> 35. She's not gonna know what to do. She's like, I gotta. She's, she's gonna, gonna like, go to you. You go through the Rolodex of the. Oh my god. Mama's gonna sit down of the doors. Well, she's like, pretty, someone pull the raft out. For what's me. pretty scary though is on these uh, transoceanic trips. Mm -hmm. Since it's seniority based, the senior people like the international trips <laughs> for sure. Yeah, be because they're first off worth more hours pay wise, but second off. International, yeah, so you, you get to go to Southern country. Boca Raton, so it's it's a if I see Deborah on my flight when I'm on the bridge or whatever you call me, you can't say a lot, but I, whoever it is, if I see her, I'm Janice. turning around. Next flight, please. Oh, oh, man. yeah, that's my worst fear is having to really ground the plane. I love it because I feel like these these biddies know what they're doing, well, they've been around the the there block. is, there is they're, that. They're so nice to me. And it's a, they've it's been a, in three plane crashes. <laughs> it's a well-known fact amongst us, the flight attendants who know the senior trips and like, if you ask for it, you're not going to get it. They won't even swap with you because they don't know you. You haven't been there as long as they have. Yeah. They have their ways of working these trips and they work the same trip every week of the mm -hmm. month. And that's all they do. Like their Tuesday Paris is what they do every week of the month. Yeah. And it's always the same crew because it's what they do. And what's scary is that they're all old and that's older. Baby, I'm never flying Honey, there on old. Tuesday. You told me all <laughs> hey, they're old. As they're someone old. who's in there, I probably would start getting in that group. I will say, I think that's probably the best part about being a flight attendant is probably once you're a seniority and you can do that. Yeah, it true. sounds like it'd be pretty cool it to is. have your group and of friends that you would why they do travel that. to Paris I'm with never every week, to Paris every on a Tuesday night. Well, Paris is surprisingly one of the more junior of the senior trips. So I can go to Paris. Um, so Johannesburg... South Africa Ugh. is one of the most senior trips in the system. Every time Amazing. I look at a rotation is what we call it. When you look at the trip, the crew, everything, mm -hmm. um, the seniority numbers are there. To put, to put it into perspective, my seniority number is 19,100 and something. Oh. That's what number I am in the system. Okay. Wow. I have looked at a rotation for a Tuesday Johannesburg trip, 352 double and triple digit seniority numbers what? the people who have been there 50 plus years the whole Why Johannesburg? crew whole crew that's so, awesome. awesome. so that's when i'm you like in your safety I yes me and for my real. safety so if you go down in the ocean nobody on that crew can help you girls they're, okay. the, the door's gonna be closed they're not gonna open a door the raft is gonna be they inside the plane hey tom we all gonna be stuck. But it's gonna be a big Airbus in the middle of the that's ocean. Why I'm just we... gonna make something really clear. I have never expected my flight attendant to know how to use that door. I have sat I emergency agree. exit. So what you I am do? a grown ass man. I will work that door. I will open it. I will save half Hamu's the crew. I'm gonna have the plane underwater. I don't need. That's We're... why we assign <laughs> able-bodied passengers. Gonna be, exactly. It's gonna so... be a submarine. <laughs> that's part of our procedures. When we know something's happening, we find three people for each door to help us. I'm stupid. Exactly. So... And we're like, you do exactly. this. Mm -hmm. You help people on the slide, and you stand here and tell them to go out this way. So I'm an idiot. That's one of the most recent times I flew. I don't think y'all really don't fly a lot. I'm really uncultured in that way. They were like, when we were like, um, 
It was Frontier too, so you know it wasn't Frontier it wasn't, Girl. It wasn't okay. All that <laughs> you so get what you pay there, for. We're like, what is it called when you're sitting there before you get on the plane? Like you're in the little lobby, the plane lobby. I don't know what it's called. And they were like, the gate. Yeah, they're like, we have we have seats open with extra leg room. I'm like six four. I'm like, yes, I would uh, love this. Like exit row. Yeah, I get the exit row. So we get on the plane. I'm like, yeah, this this door looks a little white. Why is there a door it's the here? Window. I think it's the window or the door? Yeah. I'm like it's one of the 37 doors on this is right here. <laughs> I was like, get what is this? And the seat was kind of hard and stiff I and it like, doesn't recline uh-uh. I was like, they don't tell you that this feels yeah. kind of um this could come out easily i don't know and then the lady was like all right if you are in row like she started naming rows and i was like i was like garrett they were like well, you're gonna help i was like if, and they were like are you willing to help i was like girl was this the the flight to the concert you told me uh-huh and i was yeah. like girl yeah. you better hope this plane does not have to be grounded because i will not be helping i'm sorry i agreed to this <laughs> it was so uncomfortable too well good thing there's other people there and yeah with you. well garrett wasn't garrett. gonna help and it was a very old think, lady with yeah. us they didn't oh, select she well. shouldn't have been there very old lady. they did not select well i think you just have to do more flights <laughs> they Trust don't me, the, select the most scary flights i've there. been on have been in china like it's some some ratty ass thing where you're like barely fit in it's just shaking in the air like it's scary, shaking. but yeah, shaking. <laughs> you go through a lot of coming to terms with the possibility of your own death when you fly. That's a recurring thing with Hamu. Hamu always talks about dying. Well, it's just the lack it. of control. It's just we all are in less control than we think, and yeah. air flights sometimes make you really aware of it. Turbulent. I remember and my first time flying was after that plane had the ground in the Hudson, and we had turbulence over the Rocky Mountains. I thought it was over. In the Hudson. I hollered so, on that plane. So what what would you say is your favorite thing, your absolute favorite of your job? Oh my goodness. There's so many great things about it that I like rediscovered that I love all the time when I'm flying. But number one is obviously getting to see the world. Yeah. I mean, it's hands down the best part of the job because a lot of the times you don't think you're going to be flying to these great places. If you're like me, you're junior, you're just out of the gate. And then you see, oh, somebody's dropping Madrid. I picked it up. I went to Madrid. It was great. And the crews are equally as exciting as the destination because you're meeting these really cool people Mm. who come from every possible walk of life, who have been there two to 25 years to 50 years, whatever. And it's it's always a known fact that you share life stories when you're working flights together because Mm -hmm. you're with this crew for X amount of days. You determine if you want to hang with them or not while you're on the layover, wherever. And most of the times, yeah, I'm like, I hang with the crew. Sometimes the pilots join in. Not so much. Pilots are usually pretty boring. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> yeah, hey, I'm okay with them just doing their job real right. well. Exactly. Like, I'm like, you get us like there. Physicians. You go to bed. <laughs> you get us there. Yes, please go to, go to bed. bed. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So best part is the people and the places. Awesome. Hands down. If you were if you were gonna help a doll out, you know, who's thinking of taking this on as a job what would you recommend to them in the the approach of applying or well i really hate to say that it's personality based but it is it's not technical based it's not really skill set based it is complete personality because it's obviously you're dealing with all these people and people are paying a lot of money to fly wherever you're going right so you are a huge part of the experience for them so you can either make or break their trip for them Mm -hmm. you are really bad at your job and you make them upset they give delta a bad review because they're like our flight attendant was just terrible so one thing i got asked a lot on my final step with the in-person interview was why do you want this job and i kind of knew what they were doing in that sense, because there were people walking around with clipboards, kind of making tick marks. And I came to discover that on those clipboards were all of our names, 
And if anybody did or said anything that didn't quite match up, ticked your name and they're like, they're not gonna get the offer today. So minute, the most minute thing, it was crazy. So I went into that interview kind of knowing that because I asked my friends who had the job, mm -hmm. who couldn't really tell me a whole lot mm -hmm. about it. They told me what they could and they're like, just make sure you're always smiling. Wear a very clean pressed suit, look very put together, very professional, be friendly, be yourself and be easy to talk to because that's what they want. So if you're applying to be a flight attendant, just remember that you have to really want to be there. Show it genuinely on your face with eye language, with smiling. I told them I wanted to be there because I love being around people. And that's true. And anybody who said, I want to travel or I want to see the world or whatever, I noticed they were not there at the end of the day <laughs> and the group of people who got off the job. Because it was about them and not about the client. They're making sure you right. are there for the right reason. And What's you, the right reason? The per because you want to give a great customer experience for the airline. Okay. You want to be a part of that for the better. You want to make a lasting impression and you want to help people have a really nice time on their trip, whatever the reason may be. That is beautiful. So. Yeah. And it and you know what that is true though. I I have been so many flights <laughs> that have gone well and then have gone terribly poorly. Terribly and it's poorly. always the flight attendant <laughs> and mm -hmm. their attitude that kind of it's always makes it crew. or breaks it. Yeah, like, yeah. Who's gonna make you smile? The plane? Is the plane gonna say thanks? And talking about jobs, you have a nice side hustle, um, a beautiful one. You have been featured in Beverly Hills Lifestyle Magazine due oh. to this hustle. You're growing a fan base on TikTok. already that. have one on Instagram. So tell us about AJ and your baking, because well, it's impressive. Oh, thank you. It's definitely been a very crazy and unexpected journey over the last few years, because when I graduated from college, I knew I didn't want to do engineering. I wanted to go to cooking school, but my dad wouldn't really let me because he said I would never make enough money and yeah, all those technical that was, reasons. That was my parents yeah. in theater. So wait, so what's the what's the handle? I I gotta go look it up. Um, Bake it with AJ is the YouTube show, and I have two Instagram pages. I have that one, and then I have my personal one, which has the larger following on which I do my paid sponsorships and everything. Yes, so bake it with AJ, with AJ on Instagram. On no. Instagram. Yep. And yes. then my website is bakeitwithaj.com, where I publish all of my recipes, my acknowledgments. I sell my merchandise there. Cute. You have merch? Girl, let me I do. Yeah, she does. Yeah, I checked it I, out. I just, I just launched it last month, and I had a great response. Oh, I've up. shipped to the France. To the France. <laughs> to, the France. <laughs> to the France. I shipped to the France, y'all. <laughs> that was funny. I sh I've shipped internationally to this most states so in the country. Um, and it all started with a YouTube channel because wow. when I graduated, I knew I didn't want to do that. I knew I loved baking and I wanted to graduate with something to show for myself that this is what I like doing. So when I started the YouTube, it was mostly for fun. And I'd always known that successful YouTubers monetize their channel and mm -hmm. they make bank doing it. Yes. Yes. It is crazy how much money they make. And it was a nice idea. But at the time, it was just a fun thing I was exploring and didn't really take it too seriously. So a lot of my old videos are no longer there because <laughs> good decision. I look at them now and I'm like, oof, honey, that is bad. That's awesome. <laughs> like, yeah. And really, the pandemic is what got me off the ground, crazy enough, because when I started flying, I didn't really have a lot of time to do mm -hmm. the YouTube because it is so time consuming. Yep. And I have to this day been a one man business. I film, I edit, I write the recipe, I test. I and do you it. ship all your merch? Yeah, I do everything wow. myself. So last year when I was out of work all these months, I'm like, this is a sign that I have time to finally put 
the effort and moves to get this somewhere, mm -hmm. to make it not this small channel that's hardly been growing, but to like turn it into what I've been dreaming of. So I remember I had one video last year that did super well online on YouTube, and it was called Three Easy Desserts to Make with What You Have because it was when grocery stores were out of everything in the baking mm. aisle. She's smart, the businesswoman. Very I smart. tried to jump on that really quick because I knew people would be doing it. And sure enough, like that was my first video to hit 10,000 views on YouTube. Yeah, it's 10,000. Um, since then, like it's and been- And that's how much you need to monetize, isn't it 10,000? Not views. Um, you need 1,000 subscribers, which I've hit, um, but it's the watch time. So oh. when you go to your analytics, you have to have a certain number of hours collectively that people have spent watching your oh. video to make sure that if they're paying you they're the users on actually YouTube watching. are actually mm -hmm. watching your stuff not just like clicking and, and clicking on that's the hard part of getting monetized is because it's 4000 watch hours over one calendar year and if you're like me and your recipe videos are five to six vi right. minutes each. Oh, baby, you were turning these little videos out, weren't you? Um, that's when you're like, wow, I need a huge fan base and it's not only that, you need people to watch the whole video through. Right, yeah. Because while you may love a video and think it's beautifully put together, I came to the harsh reality that people <laughs> spend two minutes on average watching my yeah. videos. Yeah, right, yeah. But you go fast, which I like, because I my attention span's like so hard to keep. You keep me, me quite too, a while. Because at least you're, you're flipping up to the next part, and I'm like, okay, okay, I got yeah. this. I can, I can do this. And that's, <laughs> I have no idea about any of that. And now, anytime I'm on YouTube doing something, it's hard to not be aware of that. Mm. If I'm watching somebody else's stuff, I'm like, I don't want to kill their analytics for the month by clicking on something else after I just clicked on this. So you'll just like, they're going to have like a it? two second watch time for me. <laughs> so every video I look at, I always so hit the thumbs do? up button. Do you really? Yes, because I'm like, it matters for yeah. us. It matters. I do that. have a podcast now. I will randomly, I won't even listen to an episode. I'm like five stars. Yes, yeah. Podcast. If, if I don't watch the whole video, I at least, yeah, I at least leave a thumbs up and a comment if I don't watch the whole video because I didn't realize how much that mattered in terms of analytics and getting monetized. I'm the I, fat kid I, going I, down the rabbit hole and I just found my favorite dessert, which is pecan pie, and he made it into brownies. And I I bet these are delicious. What's funny about that is Mark, who is now a good friend of mine, the president of Beverly Hills yes. Lifestyle, who's been on The Housewives and everything because he's friends with Lisa Vanderpump, um, that was the first thing he made of mine before he decided to give me a column in the magazine. Yes, like, I saw that. Yes, Mama is accomplished, okay? Um, so how did he, that come about? He and I did a live interview last year. He messaged me out of the blue on Instagram, and he's like, I do this live thing every week with different people I think should be celebrated. And last year when I worked my butt off and went from a YouTube to all of this stuff, I was like, wow, I really have a lot to show for now. And he recognized that and he said, I made your pecan buy brownies off your website and they were incredible. So we interviewed and at the end of the interview, he was just like, you know what? I think your stuff is great. I would love to publish it on the magazine and on the website and stuff. And I just stared in silence. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? You're like, yeah. That um, is so cool. That is amazing. I am proud of you, Miss That is Payne. amazing. Even now, he and I FaceTime like weekly. We've done another live together just to chat. And he Oh, I love this. He's publishing an article tomorrow about my merchandise. That's Here we wonderful. go. That's what? great. And yes. I'm like, this is exactly the group of people under your um, fan base for Beverly Hills Lifestyle. Buy all my stuff, please. Yes. Like, sell me out. Yes. <laughs> I, I need a month off. I'm going to take a trip. And 
put the rest away from my house next year. <laughs> yes. Oh, that is incredible. That yeah. is such a beautiful story. I, I love that it's uh, it's a side hustle that could become your main hustle. Well, that's and pretty depending much true. on it, it is. True. which I actually think is one of the other benefits that a, um, an entrepreneurial flight attendant could could find, mm -hmm. which is, you know, you kind of do your thing when you're up in the air and you can use that other time to anything, whether it's parenting, whether it's building a business. Especially recently, yeah. yeah. Um, I've been extremely grateful for my job because there is flexibility and while I'm on layovers, if I'm in my hotel, I'm editing videos and I've, especially recently, while I've been in the air on planes, we don't really do service because of COVID, so it's quite boring for the flight attendants. We really just sit there. Yeah. I've been recipe planning, like connecting to the Wi-Fi, posting stuff, doing edits. It's it's a nonstop hustle for that. Yeah. So yes. I hope it. I hope it becomes Good for you. your main hustle. That's if it amazing. Can. It, it would be. It wonderful. will be really soon at this rate. Yeah. You, when you get a TV show, Food Network, I want to be gotta on one episode for five minutes. You got to remember us. Five <laughs> yes, we can make like rice krispie treats or something. <laughs> Cute. Um, I um. I'm curious, so anything else for flight attendants going forward, do you think with COVID, with the job in general, do you think it's still something you'd recommend to someone else to take on? Yeah, I would. It's a, it's a really easy job, like technically speaking. It doesn't require a lot to do in the air. It's fun. You get to meet people. It's very hard to be upset about it unless, of course, there are the days you don't have a good day or you have to work a holiday, but it's part of the job. Yeah, there's assholes. And they, yeah, I, I, I can't believe we haven't even gotten down that rabbit hole of the assholes you have to oh, deal with. Oh, I've dealt with them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And not the way we I want to deal with them assholes. either. <laughs> well, the other part is I also, I've often wondered about if you kind of got into this as a line of work, at some point, if you're tired of the being away, the travel, the, was, you yeah. know, the solitude of it. It didn't take very long because out the gate, I, like I said, I picked up trips and I worked like at one point I worked like 12 days in a row mm -hmm. my first few months. And that was like four, three day trips back to back. So I was not home for the better part of a couple months. And very quickly I was like, oh my gosh, I don't have a life outside of work. And I wasn't really upset about it because it was a new exciting job. And it's not like I was in an office those 12 days. I was flying around and some of my layovers were great. Paris was my first international trip, my first month out of training because somebody dropped it, I picked it up. And that was one of my 12 days in a row. So it was That's hard fun. because after a few months of it, I got very burned out very tired like my sleep schedule was all messed up i was exhausted all the time didn't really have a set diet because it was hard to and um that's yeah. it's one of the difficult parts of the job is you can easily get burnt out and you may not think that you will because you're starting it you're excited you're ready but then you work a lot and you're like oh my gosh it's been five months and i just feel dead right now mm -hmm. like i i'm not home I'm never homesick, but I am somehow right now because I didn't realize what it was like to be gone for so long, right. so often. Yeah, yeah. that self-discipline of um, your diet whenever you travel, mm -hmm. because you know the reality is carbs are like the main staple of all cheap food. Yes. Right. So it's hard to go True. out of your way and be like, let me find protein, let me find green sleep. Those are all cardinal. Especially if it's a place challenges. you've never been, you want to go eat. Yeah, like yeah, in Paris. You want to try it. How Good. can you? You like they don't? Do they have uh, ramen noodles in Paris? 
<laughs> I, don't, I wasn't looking for him. I, no. I was. I was. Do they have ramen noodles in Paris? Yes, they, they do. Like but that's not what you're trying to find. Maybe like a, a croissant, a nice dog. Um, what is really funny nice is in, um, in Brazil. Nice in Brazil, Asian food's really popular. Interesting. It's huge. Yeah, I worked um, Sao Paulo, and Asian food was amazing. Oh my goodness! I'm going to go to Sao Paulo, Paulo, and I'm gonna and Argentina. Yes. As well. So Argentina has literally a big Asian so community. many places I want to mm-hmm. go. Well, look at that. So, just the, the kind of closing out this episode, if you could think of one thing for our community that you'd want for our future, what would it be? Oh man, stop judging, for real. I hate it because that was the biggest thing on my end when I was starting to hang out with people in the community, like enjoying going out to the bars and. Noticing how clicky it was and how judgmental people were if you weren't in their group. And no matter how many times somebody says, I don't do that or I'm not like that, it comes out and you see it. Of course. And over the course of what I would call my success the last few years with what I do is I stopped caring about what other people thought. And that's when I made the most progress. Right. Was when I didn't feel like there was a microscope on me. I I wasn't trying to please everybody. I'm like, this is what I want. I'm not going to judge people and I don't want them to judge me because this is just what makes me happy. So I really wish people would apply that to their lives. Like don't take into consideration what other people may be thinking. It does not matter. Literally does not matter one bit because once you stop and you don't judge, you will go so much farther with your life and everything you do. And that's exactly what I've done. And it's, not done anything bad for me up to this point oh no it's only done good it's only done good things it's um it's so great to have had you today i um i remember i think the first time i met you was william sonoma was it um oh yeah yeah you were like the the guy selling me some i forget what i bought i think my kids were with me yeah i loved loved and then i saw this little bacon thing pop up on his instant i was like what is this and all of a sudden it's grown into this wonderful wonderful experience i remember meeting you three it's it's been a few years oh y'all know each other know each other he has always been so sweet though like he speaks truth like he doesn't say something and i do it like ever since i've known her she's always been so nice so warm and so welcoming. So when I got started on like the little guest list, I was like, oh, this is it. This is the moment. I'm excited for it. So yeah, keep so it incredible. Thanks, thanks for being here. Best yeah, wishes thanks, for that. Thanks for having me. It's been really great. Absolutely. And thank you, dolls. We look forward to talking to you next now, week. Now, uh, pause to call to Kiki. Where's the Kiki? Oh, we're going to Kiki. Oh, that's right. You're so rude. I'm so rude. So beyond be not being rude after listening to this episode, <laughs> I would like to empower all of you to do some soul searching. Um, all of us never really know when our next great opportunity is going to come but if we don't take the time to sit and reflect and think about our lives from a greater perspective we won't come across any of those opportunities so take a risk take a chance you never know what beautiful thing might happen and don't forget to listen to our next episode of the Gaming Dose where you might find that inspiration